0: Ah yes, that familiar tune is back folks, which means we're back in action for another year. Welcome to the morning show and it means that the two-way conversation starts again. It's you and I, the whole lot of us all in it together for another year of sport. Really looking forward to this one, had a great break, got back into it last night at the SCG for the Big Bash and we'll have a little bit more on that with my man Dougie Bollinger. So he's going to join me. He was with me in the commentary box last night. I need to know if Doug got out of the precinct quicker than I did. What on earth is going on with what used to be the Fox Entertainment Centre car park? (laughs) Welcome back to Sydney. Welcome back to work, everyone. Come on in, watch a ripping show out at the SCG and then sit around and don't go anywhere for 30 minutes. Can we work out some boom gates? It's not hard. Cars come up, gates go up, car goes out. Everything moves. Not last night, but that's just a minor problem. Thanks for your company on SEN 1170am, wherever you're tuning in on the SEN app. It appears as though we're going to have some fun this Monday morning. Thanks to Julian King and Michael Kariannis for kicking it off this morning as well. Our forecast for Sydney as we start, as we always do, with the weather mostly sunny today and 28 degrees. Some showers are forecast, but not until the back end of the week. It's been muggy in Sydney, and that's for somebody who spent the last couple of weeks over in the UK, Um, came back from a trip over to London, which I'll share with you a little bit later on, and straight back into the mugginess. It's not so much the heat, it's the humidity that gets you. You go from wearing a beanie scarf, jacket and uh, gloves to boardies and T-shirt and sweat like a fool. But a good break had by all, so I hope you had one as well. Uh, let's start with some NRL news because there's a bit around this morning and reports that Newcastle are about to sign officially Lockie Miller from the Sharks. So this deal has been in the wind and I want your thoughts on this. The Daily Telly reporting that Newcastle on the verge of securing Miller. So that allows them to move Kalen Ponga into the halves into number six. And Cronulla have been reluctant to go through with this deal, but It appears as though it's going to be done. No official deal has been struck, the telly says, but Miller will join them on a three-year contract, and that is expected to be finalised in the next couple of weeks. Former Rugby Seven star, of course, is 28 years of age. And the flip to this is that there could be a player swap between the Sharks and the Knights to get the transaction done. So if you read between the lines here, the deal has been agreed, and it's a three-year deal for Miller, who I'm pretty sure has... Um, A youngster on board, so a young family, and can get some good sort of, you know, solid deal beneath him and head off to the Newcastle Knights and play fullback permanently. So it's a long-term offer that secures his future. However, if they can work out who could be the player swap, then they could get it done. So what does that mean for Newcastle this year? And what does it mean for your thoughts on where the Knights could finish. They finished 14th in 2022. Adam O'Brien had his hands full. We all know how this season ended up for Caelan Ponga, both on and off the field. And now they've made up their mind clearly that he's going to be number six. So he's number six, Jackson Hastings at number seven, and now Lockie Miller at one. It's not a bad-looking spine. There are those that say you don't put Caelan Ponga in the firing line with the amount of injuries and head knocks, et cetera, that he's had. But my opinion is with Caelan Ponga, your best player in the team, he needs to have his hands on the ball as much as he can. He needs to be in that front line as much as he can. He's now got Jackson, Jackson Hastings alongside of him. So they're starting to get those numbers together around 6, 7 and 1 that they want. Does that move the needle at all for you? When you look at the Newcastle Knights now, do you say they're a top eight contender because of those little pieces of the puzzle that are falling into place, do they finish higher than 14th in 2023? Let me know your thoughts around that one. Is Ponga a good choice in your opinion at number six? I think so. 0457736736 736 on the text line, or 1300011170 is the open line. Then, of course, we've got Tom Trebojevic in the US for his rehab stint with injury specialist Bill Knowles. More on that in just a sec. But I reckon you can forget about these calls and this headline that Manly should cut him loose if the rehab doesn't work. Forget about it. It's a good headline, but it's not a story, not now. It's way too early. Yes, the numbers in terms of how much Tom Trubojevic has been playing are a worry for sure. Seven games last year, 18 games the year before, seven the year before that, and 12 back in 2019. Tom Trubojevic is one of the best players In the game, and he's paid a lot of money along the way by Manly. He's on a long term deal there. Cut him loose? No. Forget about it. It's not a conversation right now. Rework his deal maybe in a couple of years. If another season starts to go astray, if the injuries do start to really become a problem, what is he, 26 years of age now? Rework the deal? Yes. Perhaps have a look at that. As Michael Carianis quite rightly pointed out on the Brecky show, Sure, you could talk about cutting him loose. Guess what? There's a whole stack of other clubs who'll sign him up. No problems about it. So it's also about the market. As I said, it is not a conversation now at all. What is a conversation for me is Bill Knowles. Who is this mystery man? What's the magic potion that he's got going over there in the US? Latrell Mitchell goes over, comes back refreshed, ready to rip, tears apart. Looking great. Ryan Pappenhausen's over there getting his knee looked at. Tommy Turbo now. So what has this American specialist got that those in Australia don't? We have got some of the leading sports scientists, physiotherapists, chiropractors, rehabilitation specialists going around. Yet for some reason we need to send these athletes on a plane and head them over to the US, get them out of the bubble. Perhaps that's part of it and head them over to Bill Knowles, where he works his magic on them, sends them back all refreshed. It's become a good deal for the club, for the player, and for the sponsors. So if you look at it in that sense, there's an outcome here that has started to become part of this modern trade of sending somebody over to somebody like Bill Knowles. Latrell Mitchell... Ingenia Holiday Parks tipped in 45000 to help with the cost of getting him, getting him over there and a documentary. There's your key. Documentary. Turbo. When Manly made the announcement, Shore and Partners, one of their current sponsors, was put forward as those that were helping part of this and they will be sponsoring this trip. A videographer is going over. Doco. Being done. Ryan Pappenhausen, not sure at the moment, trying to get to the bottom of that, but in some of the video that I've seen, he's wearing a grilled beanie, current sponsor of the Melbourne Storm. So there's a deal here. There's a little mini industry going on where you can say, hang on a second, we can take our player away from this environment. We can get him over to somebody who knows how to do it. But along the way, you're not going to get that if you send him down to Brookvale or if you send him down to Carringbar, or if you send him down to Carlton North down there in Melbourne. You're not going to get that kind of documentary and that kind of sponsorship help along the way. It's a long bow, yeah, but it's a fact that these sponsors are kicking in to get these players over there. If it all works out in the end, then it's all worth it. Give me your opinion on that, 0457 736 736. Are we missing a trick here? And who's the Bill Knowles in Australia? And why on earth isn't he or she sticking his or her hand up saying, come here for half the price? And my other question around that is, Even if he's fit, if Tom Trebojevic comes back fit, fully fit, do you start him in round one against the Bulldogs at Four Pines Park? So think of the bigger picture here. The Seagulls, under new coach Anthony Seabold, would love to have Tom Trebojevic rolling out in game number one. Why? Because chances are they win when he's on the park. And the stats will tell you and back those up. However... Week two for the Seagulls is a bye. So do you risk parking Tommy T for the first round and get an extra week or two out of his rehab at the risk of possibly going down against the Bulldogs, or do you just come out with a bang? I mean, it's an interesting one when you put it into that scenario and that picture, that broader picture, especially with Cameron Seraldo in charge of the Bulldogs. New signings there, Reid Marnie, Viliama Kikau. So a new look Bulldogs will front up to Four Pines Park in round one. Do they face Tom Trubojevic? Do you put him in cotton wool for another week, knowing that you've got the bye in round two? Let me know your thoughts. 0457 736 736. The tennis? Well, the Australian Open gets underway in less than two hours now. SEN commentator Brett Phillips will join us. He'll be in the bunker later on tonight. Full coverage on SEN of the Australian Open. I love these two weeks of the year and BP will have a front-row seat quite literally in the bunker on centre court. The odds coming into this one will Novak Djokovic, his clear favourite in the men's, to win his 10th tournament at Melbourne Park. He's $1.83. Daniil Medvedev, finalist last year, $6.50, and Nick Kyrgios and Rafa at $15, going into day one, week one, of the first Grand Slam event of the year. The women's, Iga Sviantec, $3.30. Now, I jumped when I saw that, because she should be clear favourite. And at 3 bucks 30 is a fair bit of value. Arena Sabalenka at $7.50. Jess Pagula, 11 bucks. Caroline Garcia and Coco Goff at $12. The schedule for today, so it'll get underway at 11 o'clock. First match starting on Rod Laver Arena and then around the precinct itself. It's quite fascinating when you're down there for the first week of the Australian Open because everything's in play. Rod Laver Arena, Margaret Court. John Kane Arena, and then everything else around it. So there's this incredible buzz. And then as each day goes on, one player per match goes out. So you start to lose a whole stack of people. And the courts start to get quieter and quieter. And you start to get towards week two when it really picks up again in terms of intensity. Coco Goff will be first out there, the seventh seed against Katarina Siniakova. Rafael Nadal, not before 2.30. So Rafa in the afternoon match. He's got Jack Draper. Rafa comes into this one as the defending champion at 36 years of age with more majors than anyone else in men's tennis. 22 majors, we know that. But he's lost six of his last seven matches. Is he up for this one? Jack Draper could spring an almighty upset today. He's 21 years of age. He made the semis of the Adelaide International, so he's looking good at the moment but he's got to face somebody who will not go away on the other side, regardless of the conditions and regardless of the form. With somebody like Rafa, you take all that away. If it's anyone else, you look at the form guide and say, I don't know. If it's Rafael Nadal at the Australian Open in the first Grand Slam event of the year, I reckon you wipe all that and start again. It's going to be an interesting one. The night session, Spiontek against Julie Niemener from Germany at seven o'clock, so Iga Swiatek comes off the back of 2022, where she won eight titles, including Roland Garros and the U.S. Open, against the world number 68 in Nieminen, who reached the quarters at Wimbledon last year. And then the second match on center court tonight, Daniil Medvedev against Marcus Giron from the USA. So that's the lineup today. The Aussies in action. We've got six Aussies on day one: Jason Kubler, Taylor Gibson, John Millman, Olivia Gadecki, Storm Hunter. And Rinky Hijikata will all be in action today from John Cain uh, arena, arena, rather, out to court three, out to court seven and court eight as well. And then there's Nick Kyrgios. So we got to wait until day two to get the Kyrgios show up and running. And it will be on his favourite court at his favourite time slot, seven o'clock. He likes it over there on John Cain Arena because it's noisy, because it isn't as stuffy as centre court. And he just likes the fact that he can go next door and let rip. He's got Roman Safulin, who's ranked number 98 in the world. So there's no doubt about it, folks, especially with no Ash Barty. Yes, Sam Stose is going to be there and she'll retire at the end of this one. Isla Tomljanovic is out. All of the focus would have been on Nick Kyrgios anyway. It's even more so now. So what are his expectations of the two weeks, assuming he can go deep, ahead at the Australian Open. I think the US Open was hard, really I think, really hard for me because every match I was playing the last match on, so I wasn't getting to sleep until 3, 4 a.m. every night, which
1: was incredibly hard. You know, that's hard for anyone. So I think it's just, at a slam, you just can't get too invested. Um, you know, if you lose a set, you gotta just try and put
2: it back and, and just forget about it and just keep going, keep moving. You gotta do everything right, tick all the boxes,
1: but. I just know at the end of the two weeks, if if things go well or, you know, things don't go well, I'm going to be emotionally exhausted after this. I need to look after myself all the time. I need to make sure that I'm, you know, getting
0: the right amount of sleep. I need to just, you know, I'm a human at the end of the day and it can take so much. So, yeah, I I just know going into it, it's going to be tiring. Tiring's the word. I've witnessed it firsthand. Now, we have a crack at our tennis players for spitting the dummy and all that kind of stuff, and it's only a game of tennis. Let me tell you, two weeks, if you go deep into a major... It's, it is tiring, especially with the heat down there at Melbourne and what they've got to get through. If you're going to go through five sets, you have your work cut out for you. So it's a good insight from Nick Curios. a mature response from Nick Curios under that one. Have you caught the doco break point yet on Netflix? I haven't seen it. And if so, with episode one featuring Kyrgios, has it got you more engaged in tennis and the US Open and more engaged in Curios? Let me know if you've seen it, what your thoughts are. I thought Andrew Webster put it really well the other day about the amount of sports documentaries that are around. He said, we're getting to the stage where the only sports documentaries left to do will be a sports documentary about sports documentaries. (laughs) We're getting down that road at the moment. Cricket, we'll talk that this morning, as I said, with Dougie Bollinger. I was at the SCG last night calling the Sixers against the Scorchers and the Sydney Sixers beat Perth for the first time in six matches. They won by six runs. Sean Abbott led the way with the ball, 3 for 18. He was brilliant. Steve Smith was back, and the crowd loved it. He made his return to the BBL for the first time in three seasons with 36 off 27 and opened the batting. Meanwhile, the game before the Hobart Hurricanes beat the Sydney Thunder, they won by five wickets. It's the Thunder's third straight loss, and Nathan Ellis took a hat-trick, 4 for 27 he finished up with. But there was that push and shove between Davey Warner and Matthew Wade. Now, if you're going to pick two Bulldogs to go into a fight in cricket and you had your pick of the hundreds of players that are out there. I reckon at the end of the remember the old school yard stuff? I love him. I love him. I love him. Guess who you reckon you go for first? I'll have Warner. Okay. You've got Warner. I'll have Wade. Let's put them against each other. It was an interesting one. It was off the back of a Chris Green over and Tim David was in the middle of it as well. So we'll hear from Chris Green about that. The women's one day international series starts today at Allen border field, 11 o'clock Uh, thereabouts for that, Australia v Pakistan. So Meg Lanning returns as captain for Australia after taking a break and working in a coffee shop. Game two is on Wednesday, and game three will be at North Sydney Oval on Saturday. And NFL this morning, Benny Graham will join us. Wild card round. Some amazing results across the weekend. The Bills this morning have defeated the Dolphins 34 points to 31. So we'll keep you up to date with all of that. And I need to know, what have I missed in the last month? I've had my head as much as I can around everything, but I have been away and I've been gone from uh, this studio for the last month. So what have I missed? What has been your best sporting moment of the summer so far? Davies 200? The double century? Let me know. What's been the best sporting moment of the summer so far and what have I missed? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy one 1170 is the open line number or hit me up on the text 0457-736-736. As you can see, There's a truckload in front of us this morning. We're back in action on the morning show. Come and be part of it after this. Yeah, welcome back. Got some massive news that is uh, being reported right now in the Daily Telegraph. Dave Rennie, the Wallabies coach, has been sacked. Eddie Jones will take over for the 2023 Rugby World Cup. Eddie Jones will return to the Wallabies as head coach. After Rugby Australia has made the move this morning, it's being reported that Dave Rennie has been sacked and therefore sacked immediately. So a poor run and form by the national team over the past three years sees Jones, who was sacked as England coach just last month, comes back to Australia for the first time since 2005. 18 years apart, Eddie Jones will return to the Wallabies and take over. He, of course, coached the Wallabies to the 2003 World Cup final, but Dave Rennie was contracted until the end of the World Cup, as is the way on international rugby contracts. It goes in cycles, but they've made the move and they've made it now. Now, in this report, Rugby Australia has not confirmed any move to sack Rennie, but sources say that he's been notified his time is up and it's understood he's already lined up a job in Japanese top league rugby after the World Cup. But this one has come early. So a Monday morning bombshell in the world of rugby union, the Wallabies coach Dave Rennie has been removed from his post and Eddie Jones will take over. That's huge news and a big, big call from Rugby Australia bosses to make that move. Now, obviously, this started swirling around as soon as Eddie Jones was sacked as England coach last month. And I can give you an insight into what has been taking place since. I know that Rugby Australia did speak to him pretty quickly, pretty quickly to sound him out. Now, whether that was sounding him out for the job Entirely, or sending him out to come on in in some sort of advisory co-coaching role, I'm not sure. And we had this discussion just before we wrapped it up last year that if Eddie Jones is coming back into the Wallabies uh lineup or Wallabies circle in any way, shape or form, then it, it won't be as an assistant because there's no way in the world that Dave Rennie would have copped that or been up for that. So it means that Rennie has now gone and Eddie Jones is coming in. Let me know your thoughts around that, 0457 736 736. Christy Dorham will join us after the news in a minute's time. He's now the rugby editor for uh, the Raw Sports, obviously, on the website. So Christy has all the details about this move, and it's a bombshell move, no doubt about it. That will rock world rugby to the core. He fell out with the English establishment and was removed from that post rather hastily and nastily i mean he had a contract to go right up until the world cup and had everything in place and there were calls straight away for eddie jones to be brought into the wallabies inner circle well they didn't mess around and that's big so we'll follow this story this morning do you think it's a good move he's a polarizing figure eddie jones and he's a very cyclical coach i'd have to say it it comes and goes with somebody like eddie he runs his own race he's very very different to dave rennie and very different to those before him. But he did take the Wallabies to the World Cup in 2003. And make no mistake, that's what this is all about. This is not about the future of the Wallabies, etc, etc. This is about getting the Wallabies to the World Cup final again. And that will be Eddie Jones's number one role when he takes over, if he hasn't already. Wow. That is big, big news. 0457 736 736. Christy uh, Christy Doran will give us the lowdown after the news with Vanessa. Thank you, Vanessa. So Dave Rennie's time at the Wallabies is up. He finishes with a winning percentage of 38%, which is the lowest of any Wallabies coach with a minimum of 30 tests. He'll be replaced by somebody who's got the highest win rate of any England coach, former Wallabies Uh, Coach Eddie Jones is back in the fray. 73% success rate he had as an England coach. And we now know that he signed a five-year deal. This is big news in the world of rugby. So Rugby Australia, as I mentioned, they've been in conversations with Eddie Jones since England decided that it was going to part ways with him. And there were a couple of leading players who thought that was madness. That's what they said at the time. Meanwhile, what was happening in Australia... Well, the Wallabies had a record loss to Argentina, which was, of course, coached by Michael Checker. Then they had that loss to the Springboks in Sydney. At the time, it's understood that Rennie's contract plans were being discussed to be extended. However, Rugby Australia, off the back of those two losses, went up, were taking them off the table. Then they lost to Italy in Florence, and they started to seriously reconsider their position. Christy Doran has gone through this on theraw.com.au and we'll chat to him in just a sec. They went down closely, the Wallabies, to Ireland in Dublin. A 13-10 defeat, which is nothing to be sneezed at against that team. And then a 21-point come-from-behind win over Wales and that bought Dave Rennie some time. That time, you'd think, came to an end as soon as Eddie Jones was sacked by the RFU over there in England because it meant that he was now on the table and that turned the focus from Rugby Australia dealing with a possible contract extension to Rennie to taking over discussions with Eddie Jones. Remarkable, absolutely remarkable. So Dave Rennie has started conversations to join Kobe in the League One competition in Japan and he said that he won't be working with Jones before the World Cup, but it's a long term deal. As I mentioned, Christy Doran's all over this one for the raw.com.au, the rugby union editor at the raw, and he's on the line. Good morning, Christy. This is a, a big, big announcement, a big shock, too.
3: Uh, look, it, it is, but at the same time, there'd been um, a sense that change was coming for some time. You know, Right back, in the middle of November, when the Wallabies suffered a, a historic maiden defeat to Italy. It was that point in time where the Rugby Australia board was shaken. And they were, you know, a lot of these people come from business backgrounds. uh, And when you get a defeat like that, first time ever to Italy, it really rattled a lot of the Rugby Australia board. Uh, A narrow defeat shortly after to Ireland and a saving grace victory against Wales. I thought Dave Rennie would survive. But the moment that Eddie Jones was sacked by England at the start of December, it was that point in time where we went, okay, right, well, Rugby Australia's been talking to Eddie Jones for a long time. Why not bring him in? They've ultimately decided to pounce on this, on him, bring the Australian back, particularly noting that there's a British and Irish Lions series in 25 and a home World Cup in 2027. The Rugby Australia board wanted him for those two tournaments specifically. But now they've brought him six months, well, really eight months before that, um, to supercharge their their World Cup campaign in in France later this year.
0: And to bring him back, there's no way in the world that they could have essentially given Eddie Jones' personality and position and given Dave Rennie's position, there there was no way that it could work as, as a meeting of the minds together for the World Cup. It had to be one or the other, didn't it?
3: It's interesting when... Eddie Jones had an interview with The Guardian about a week and a half ago where he said he's not an assistant I'm not an assistant mate he said, and then shortly after on Monday, a day after I'd written that his Dave Rennie's in talks with japan in in, in Japan in the in the League One competition there, he said, "Look, it's not going to happen when it was put to him. Would you work with Eddie Jones if he comes on earlier um it's It's oh. It meant Rugby Australia and the board members there were going to themselves, well, hang on, why wouldn't you want some expertise, someone who's been to three World Cup campaigns as a head coach and a fourth with South Africa where you've won a gold medal, you've been at two World Cups. We've got to remember here, Scott Wiseman, who was a highly respected assistant coach, yeah. just finished up a week earlier when he resigned. And he was the only assistant in that coaching structure that had actually been to a World Cup. So Rugby Australia was shocked flabbergasted when they heard that Dave Rennie had essentially shut down any prospect of working with with Eddie Jones. As it turns out, a, a week later, and, and he's been sacked, he'll be paid out, he'll be put on gardening leave, um, but he won't be able to go to any other nation before the World Cup.
0: Wow. Okay. Now, there was a four-day camp on the Gold Coast as well for the players, and that's that was, what, a week ago. So it kind of begs the question... I mean, you've got to go through with what you've got on the list, right? What you've got on your calendar. But the players certainly would have known about it. It was public knowledge that RA was talking, Rugby Australia was talking to Eddie Jones. So the players would have got wind of something going on. Was there any whispers around this this camp up there on the Gold Coast that things were changing quickly? And, and it kind of begs the question, why go through with it with the Dave Rennie in charge? Well...
3: Players aren't stupid. Um, A lot of them, seasoned players, guys like Nick White, Michael Hooper, they've been around the the traps. Um, They may have thought, um, and I know that there are some players who thought that, hey, we reckon Eddie Jones will come in, but this was three, four weeks ago. This was before Christmas. After Christmas, I think they thought, okay, well, we've got to this camp, nothing's happened, and there was a bit of an, an idea that, okay, well, if it hasn't happened yet, it might not happen, but you know, maybe he does join as a technical consultant. Uh, maybe he does join in the... In the um, or they make the announcement that he'll join following the World Cup. But I still think they've come down... Rugby Australia's made the decision. Who is more likely to get us to a semi-final at this point in time? And it's probably, you could say, with a bit more authority, maybe Eddie Jones. When he took over from England, England had won their final pool match of the World Cup but didn't make... the the knockout stages in 2015. Eddie Jones then comes on, replaces Stuart Lancaster. They win the next 17 matches and they equal the record of 18 against New Zealand. We saw, uh, what, almost eight years ago, Michael Checker jump on board before the 2015 World Cup and he then takes charge of the Wallabies. They make it through to a World Cup final. So uh, there has been um, a short history anyway that, that shows that, uh, turnarounds are possible. Um, but I, I still think that RA, they wanted to lock and pin Eddie Jones down so that he can be the coach for the Wallabies in the, in the Lions series of 25 and, and the Home World Cup in 27. And, he, and Jones not only has extremely good coaching pedigree, he was sacked by England despite having a 73 winning percentage, which is the highest of any England coach. But he also will attract headlines. He will attract headlines from start to finish, go to woe. And you won't see that with England, but we know that uh, now with Stuart Lancaster, and they're probably going to struggle at stages, I'd I'd imagine. Um, But here in Australia, when you're competing with rugby league, the NRL, the AFL, having Eddie Jones be able to bring pedigree um, and the ability to, to attract a headline is a hugely important thing as well.
0: This close to a Rugby World Cup, the plans were there and laid out and, and Eddie Jones lamented that fact that he didn't get to follow those plans through in the English rugby union system as head coach of England. So he's got those secret. He's got those plans. They, they shouldn't change too much under the new coach over there. So that's one thing that he's got in the top drawer when he takes over this job as the Wallabies. Why do you think Rugby Australia thinks that Eddie Jones will work this time around and Dave Rennie wasn't going to work?
3: Well, Dave Rennie's winning percentage is 38%. It's the lowest of all time from a Wallabies coach who's coached more than 30 matches. You know, they're the hardline facts. There's a few draws thrown in there, but, uh, and, and other people will point to the fact that, oh, yes, there was a record amount of injuries last year, that the Wallabies had to use 51 players, that Quake Cooper wasn't there for all, but... Uh, it 47 minutes. Um, Samu Karevi missed the bulk of it. They only narrowly lost in Paris and Dublin, but at the end of the day, the Wallabies hadn't been able to convert close defeats into victories. Eddie Jones has proven to be able to do that. Um, I, I've already expressed the, the 18 matches that they ended up equaling uh, the the World Cup. No, sorry, the the record um, uh, streak there. But he also made a World Cup final in 2019. Um, did Eddie Jones, and that's mm-hmm. not long ago. Um, he's won ten of eleven matches against the Wallabies when he's been in charge of England. Uh, he came from a, a two from one nil to, uh, down in Perth to to win a, another historic two one series victory in Australia. Uh, they won three nil in Australia in twenty sixteen against a Wallaby side that had just made the World Cup final. Um, Jones has the ability to get players to reach their ceilings. And we saw that when he took over from Lancaster, a very similar squad, but made a couple of subtle changes, a new captain, a new hooker, um, and he empowered some of the players. He simplified the game plan, yet they managed to, to, to win with a side that had failed to make the knockout stages of the Home World Cup. They're some of the things that have really attracted rugby Australia can he work has he softened he was sacked for course in 2005 after a, a pretty disastrous year but I'll tell you what like, you know, a lot of play a lot of people a lot of players they get better when they've overcome adversity and uh, we know even you know going back and even politics it's a completely different realm you know Robert Menzies didn't last very long in his first <laughs> one in his second stage back he did so they're going to be hoping for a similar sort of thing rugby Australia
0: yeah, there's a saying, the train doesn't stop twice. Well, it has for Eddie Jones, and it will this time around. A final one for you. Does this put any current Wallabies, Wallabies players on notice in the frame? Should any of the current Wallabies players be worried or, or, or the vice-versa side of that by the fact that Eddie Jones is now going to be in charge as opposed to Dave Rennie?
3: Well, Eddie Jones, is one thing I know for sure, is he thinks that there's enough talent in Australia. There's no doubt about that. Um, I, I think Tate McDermott, who's been in and out of the side, given limited opportunities, from my understanding, he's a big Tate McDermott fan. I also understand he likes Fraser McWright. Um, yeah, Sully Vunavalu, he must be someone who now rockets back into contention for the Wallabies because he, Vunavalu played two and a half minutes under under Dave Rennie. He didn't make the 44-person training squad, which is extraordinary for a two-time... NRL Premiership winner, a try scoring machine. And we know that Eddie Jones has a strong affiliation and respect for the for Rugby League. And you look back at the 03 World Cup when there was Takiri, Sailor Rogers, uh, more recently with England, Abenteo, um, uh, who, who took part from 16, 17, 18, before kind of falling out of favour there. I, I think Vunabala is probably the biggest headline name that will come back into the uh, selection reckoning
0: it's a big story christy appreciate your time this morning you can read all about it on the raw.com.au we'll continue to chat through this one because there's more to come good on you mate thanks for your time this morning
3: thanks matt cheers
0: christy doran there uh, great friend of the show rugby union editor at the au. and he points out this morning in his article that there is a five-year deal that has been signed by Eddie Jones. He will be in charge of both the Wallabies and the Wallaroos, and not only the Rugby World Cup, but the perfect figure that Rugby Australia believed to lead the Wallabies during that home line series in 2025 and the 2027 World Cup. So it's a big one, and as soon as Eddie Jones was let go by the English Rugby Football Union, things were put in process straight away. Remarkable, isn't it? It wasn't too long ago that Jones was in charge... Anthony Seabold was his defensive coach. Seebs is now in charge down there at Brookvale in charge of the Manly Warringah Eagles, And Jones returns to the Australian coaching staff. Eddie, jo- Eddie Jones back. Dave Rennie is out in the garden. Let me know your thoughts about that. 0457 736 736. On the text line, Adam says, massive story on the Wallabies. The rumour is absolutely massive. It's not a rumour anymore, Adam, it is now fact Eddie Jones has been locked in as coach of the Wallabies for the next five years. A statement has been made by Rugby Australia chairman Hamish McLennan. He's confirmed the news to the Herald this morning. It's a major coup for Australian rugby to have the best coach in the world return home to coach the iconic Wallabies and to oversee the Wallaroos program, says Hamish McLennan. Eddie's deep understanding of our system and knowledge of our player group and pathways will lift the team to the next level. Eddie Jones has offered up a statement, a wonderful opportunity to come home to Australia and lead my nation to a Rugby World Cup. He said the squad is a really talented group of players with good depth. If we can have everyone fit and healthy going into the World Cup this year, I'm confident we can go to France and break the 24-year drought of winning the Rugby World Cup. And also points out, he says, I saw how gutsy the Wallaroos were in the World Cup in New Zealand last year. Looks like there's a real spirit in that group that will drive the women's program forward ahead of their next World Cup in 2025. Really looking forward to getting back home and getting stuck in. He took over in uh, 2001 after Rod McQueen retired and under Jones Australia won the 2001 Tri-Nation Series and then went into their home World Cup in 2003 as third favourites, of course. Got to the final before losing to England in extra time. Um, He's been the Rugby World Coach of the Year, a whole stack of awards next to his name, and, of course, has been stunning with his 73% win record in charge of England, including winning 10 of 11 matches as Coach of England against Australia. So he's been here before, and I will say this, get ready for the Eddie Show because it's coming back to town. And it'll add some sparks, some controversy, some thought processes that perhaps have been missing in Australian rugby over the last however many years. He's a showman. He knows what the crowds are after. But more importantly, he's got the runs on the board. Tri-Nation Series winner in 2001. Bledisloe Cup winner in 2001 and 2002. As I mentioned, the Rugby World Rugby Coach of the Year in 2017. Six Nations Championship in charge there of England, winners in 2016, 17 and 20. So he's got the runs on the board. And this is a new start for Eddie Jones. 1-300-01-1170 is the open line number. You can have your say. It's open for business on this Monday morning, a big news-breaking morning here. On SEN. It is, of course, day one of the Australian Open getting underway in an hour's time. So, Brett Phillips will have all the latest news for us. He'll be there courtside later on this evening for SEN's full coverage of the night session at Melbourne Park. So, looking forward to that one as we get underway on day one of the first Grand Slam major of the year. But, of course, this news about Eddie Jones is really dominating the cycle already. And it has shook up the world of rugby union. Phil on the text line, 0457 736 736. How good? Eddie's back. Calling it now. A repeat of the 99 World Cup final with the same result. Go the Wallabies. Thank you for that one. Uh, You can have your say on that, 0457 736 736. It was back in 2005 that Jones was removed as head coach of the Wallabies. They went down to Wales It was a two-point loss. It was off the back of a European tour where they lost eight of the last nine matches and they had some dramas along the way. There was meant to be uh, a sort of investigation into it, but Jones was removed anyway. Well, guess what? He's back, folks. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our listeners joining us on SENQ, 6.93am in Brisbane and 16.20am on the Gold Coast. Welcome back to The Morning Show for the first time in 2023. It's great to be back with you. On a busy news day, we've just done an hour of the show for our 11.70am listeners in Sydney. And at the back end, the news dropped about Eddie Jones. So if you've just picked up this ball, let's run with it. He's the new Wallabies coach for the next five years. Returning after being sacked back in 2005, he'll be in charge of the Wallabies for the 2023 World Cup. He will go through for the next five years across some very big series. Will also be across the Wallaroos, As well, It means Dave Rennie's tenure as Australian coach is over. He's been sacked across the course of the weekend, just a week out from holding a four-day camp on the Gold Coast with the squad. He cannot work for another country at the upcoming World Cup, so Dave Rennie is on gardening leave. He will be paid out. It's very big news, and they've made that decision quite quickly. In fact, discussions were underway from the moment that uh, word got around that he was under the pump, Eddie, in charge of the English team. He was sacked by the Rugby Football Union over there in December and Rugby Australia pounced straight away. And from the moment they knew that Dave Rennie didn't want to work with Eddie Jones, as in he didn't want any assistance or anyone else coming in from outside, well, it was a fait accompli. They decided that Eddie was the best man for the job going forward and a five-year deal says that. Let me know your thoughts, 0457 736 736. And they put out a statement this morning, both Rugby Australia, Hamish McLennan, the chairman, Andy Marinos, the chief executive, was in the UK and was speaking to Eddie Jones quite quickly after that move by the RFU to sack him as the man in charge of England. So things progressed fairly quickly. Major coup. Hamish McLennan has called it for Australian rugby to have the best coach in the world return home. Eddie Jones says it's a wonderful opportunity and he thinks that they can break the 24-year drought of winning the Rugby World Cup if everyone is fit and healthy going into the World Cup this year. So it's going to be a quick turnaround and it will be a wild ride. For those rugby fans who've been around long enough to remember Eddie Jones in charge domestically and, of course, nationally nationally, They know that it's going to be loud and it's going to be fun and it will be very, very different to the tenure of Dave Rennie who leaves after 33 matches in charge, 12 wins, 18 losses and three draws, a win percentage of 36.36%. He has the lowest winning percentage of any Australian coach with more than 30 tests and that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line out of all of this. Well-liked by the players, liked by the squad, and by all reports, is a very good gentleman. However, when it came to results, they were just not there. From 2019 through to the start of this year, and obviously no tests have been played uh, in January, he's ended up with a 36% win record. I'll tell you who's next on the list. 50% for Michael Checker and Ewan McKenzie. So you go from... Check who coached 68 matches for 34 wins, 32 losses and two draws, that's a 50% record. The, it's a fair old drop down to 36%. Eddie Jones, coach from 2001 to 2005, was in charge for 57 matches throughout that time, won 33, lost 23, and just the one draw for a winning percentage of 57.89%. So roughly close to sixty percent for Eddie Jones. He re- he replaced Rob McQueen, who retired ahead of him, and Rob McQueen had a percentage of seventy nine percent. So the numbers are really there; the stats do not lie. And Jones will bring something very different, very fresh into the Wallabies camp that may have been starting to get a little bit stale. Certainly results wise, it's a big call, but they had to make it, and I think it's a good move. Have your say on that. One three hundred oh one. 1170 in terms of what's ahead of us. Well, the women's one day international series will be getting underway in about 50 minutes time. So in the next hour, Australia will start against Pakistan. Alan Borderfield in Brizzy. Meg Lanning returns as captain for Australia. And I read the report this morning that spoke about her time away from the game and how she said she didn't think she would ever have time away from cricket, but she went and worked in a coffee shop, just completely got out of the system and had a focus elsewhere. And now she's back in charge of the Australian team. So that'll be the ODI series getting underway today at Allen Borderfield. We'll keep you across that. Last night at the SCG, the Sydney Sixers defeated the Perth Scorchers. I was there in commentary with Dougie Bollinger for SEN and Big Bash Nation. Um, They won by six runs. And a couple of key things came out of this. Steve Smith made his return to the BBL and did so at the top of the order. 36 off 27. He looked very good. Sean Abbott with three for 18, led the way with the ball. And the Hobart Hurricanes defeated the Sydney Thunder. And, of course, the Australian Open starts today. So let's do an open update. Thanks to Kia, the all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar is landing soon. Brett Phillips, in the thick of all the action, our SEN tennis expert, is right there amongst it as play is about to get underway in about 50 minutes' time. Good morning to you, BP. Uh, Maddie, good morning.
4: Uh, it's a little sultry 29, bit of sun, actually, uh, poking its way through, and... Uh, the fans are coming in in droves. I can tell you. So uh, yeah, everyone is pretty excited for day one of the tennis.
0: Yeah, and day one of the season. Day one of of the first Grand Slam event of 2023 so we've always got the good one in our own backyard you're right about the crowds mate I'm just watching Nine's coverage and there's some big big crowds lining up and continuing to come through so first up on Rod Laver Arena we'll have Coco Goff the number seven seed against Katerina Siniakova and then of course the focus later on the Savo will turn to Rafael Nadal against Jack Draper now Rafa of course has all the numbers we don't need to go into Rafa's Past, but what about the present against this twenty-one-year-old Brit who made the semis at the Adelaide International? How much of a threat is he against the defending champ?
4: Yeah, look, I, I like him. Uh, I, I think there's huge upside. He's still a work in progress, but you know, twelve months ago he wasn't even here in Melbourne. He was outside the top two hundred. Rose to forty in the world, and he's a he's a big, solid lad. Huge serve. Uh, loves to get to the net too, Matt. Which I I think he's becoming part of the big guy's game now because they know they've got the wingspan. They've got the leaks now because the physicality, the fitness levels have you know, had to improve to you know, endure uh, this, this level of tennis. Look, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's pretty emotional. He gets pretty down on himself, but he's had a great rise and got some good people around him. So he brings some threats to the table against Rafa today. And Nadal will want to be on because it's, it's not an easy passage. Uh, possibly Nakashima, second round who won the next gym uh, back in November, possibly Nishioka. The Japanese uh, lefty is a really good, solid competitor. And then uh, a rematch with Tiafo uh, potentially from the US Open last year when Francis took his scalp. So we'll see how he shapes up. Nadal didn't have a great United Cup. But he's had a really good, positive training week here. And we know the champions lift uh, when the big trophies come around. But he's got a stern test uh, first up.
0: We'll see Daniil Medvedev in action later on tonight on Rod Laver Arena. Before that, Iga Swiatek against Julie Niemener from Germany. I mean, Swiatek comes off the back of an incredible season where she won the French and the yep. US and eight WTA titles. I note that she's three dollars ten. I mean, she's favourite, but she's three bucks ten. Is is there anyone else mm. out there who could who could take her down? That seems pretty good value for me. Yeah,
4: no doubt. Um, look, and she could have just one off day. We saw it. Uh, at the United Cup when Pagula took her scalp but you're right she's come off a phenomenal year nearly 6000 points clear in the rankings so she absolutely deserves uh, favouritism but if you're looking down there's a potential match up with Coco uh, Golf if she uh, continues her journey one Auckland you know, they played in that French Open final last year. And when you look through that big pack of women, you know, Coco's got the special qualities that could maybe win her a slam and, and maybe bring Undone uh, eager. You know, you, the one I like, I think she might just about be ready, is Arena Sabalenko. I know yeah. she's had the serving yips 12 months ago, a couple of semis the previous year at Majors. But she's come to Australia, uh, serving really well. She's got game face on. She's a bit of conviction about her, and she's such a powerful hitter you can't deny her. So, yeah, those big hitters in the draw: Collins, Keys, Kvitova, um, uh, Sabalenka. I'll throw in Kaya Kanepi because she's made the quarters yep. last year, and she's still, you know, her ripping balls at 37. <laughs> so they're always danger players against the crafty players that you've got to watch those matchups. But right now, eager deserves some uh, clear
0: favouritism. Yeah, and Sabalenka's paying $8 with the bookies as second favourite. We've got six Aussies in action on day one. Jason Kubler, John Millman, Olivia Gadecki, Storm Hunter as well, and Rinky Hijikata alongside, uh, as well as Taylor Gibson. So a good fist of Aussies out there on day one.
4: Yeah, indeed. I think all our eyes are going to be on uh, Jason Kubler. He's become sort of the the must-watch hot property. He's... You know, 84 in the world. So the target this year has to be at least get to about the third round of a major. And he made fourth round Wimbledon last year. And then the ranking goes inside the top 50. And that's where he should be for his talent. So up against Sebastian Byers today. Tough Argentinian. But he's only got a 5-19 and 19, uh, record on a hard court. So like a lot of the South Americans, has honed his uh, game on uh, clay, that's where he's won his title and made a couple of other finals on the ATP tour. So I think Kubler probably has his measure. We hope Johnny Millman can whip the crowd into a frenzy on court three. And there's a bit of life left in the old fella yet, uh, Matty, if he can get past. Uh, Marc-Andre Husler, who's the number one Swiss. And, yeah, Gadecki and uh, Gibson, two of our bright prospects, because we need a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel as far as our women are concerned. They've got a, a couple of matches that... They could possibly pinch today if they let, don't let the occasion sort of get to them. So, yeah, we'll wait and see how the day uh, unfolds. And there's Kennan Azarenka. That's a good matchup. Quarter yeah. and Christian Garin. So there's a few good ones to get us started.
0: Just a final one this morning. We'll dig into it deeper tomorrow, obviously. But Nick Kyrgios on John Kane Arena tomorrow night. Um, the signs for you for Nick Kyrgios coming into this one?
4: Well, you know, there's always a little of the unknown, Uh, we look at the field and we know he can beat anyone. Absolutely, that's a given. So does he bring the physical, the mental, does he bring it all together? Uh, It it appears the game face is on and, you know, there's a lot of chaos around, a lot of requests for him this week appearing here, there and I think they've tried to keep that in check and we know that, you know, coming off such a limited uh, prep, having not played a match uh, this year, that he can just sort of pick up the groove, and you know, he's not going to lose too many service games if he's on, and it's whether he can really get in and engage on the return. So the first couple of rounds look okay. It's it's that potential Holger Rune matchup. Round three, Holger, uh, he is obsessed with tennis. This young guy, he's going to get to number one, and he would love to. He's an agitator too. He'd love to take the curious scalp and maybe deny us the curious Djokovic potential quarter. Uh, So we'll go one game at a time, but he's our brightest hope, and if he puts it all together, anything's possible.
0: Good on you, BP. Enjoy day one. We'll chat again tomorrow. Thank you, Matty. Brett Phillips there at the Australian Open. So day one of competition about to get underway in 45 minutes' time. That open update, thanks to Kia. The all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar is landing soon, and make sure you stay tuned later on this evening for Brett Phillips's. Full coverage in our entire SEN commentary team. Mark Woodford, also part of the team tonight, from the courtside bunker for round one. A pinnacle of engineering. The Kia EV6 GT is the most powerful Kia ever crafted. So day one, Rod Laver Arena from 11 a.m. Eastern time. Coming up in 45 minutes is Sinia Kova against Coco Goff. So that's women's singles round one, first match up on Rod Laver Arena um, Maria Sakari will follow that. And then Rafael Nadal against Jack Draper, not before 2.30 this afternoon. And then the night session on center court is Shviontech against Niemann. And then Daniil Medvedev, last year's runner-up against Marcos Duran from the USA. Out on Margaret Court Arena, Jess Pagula will get things going in the first match out there. So number three seed, Jessica Pagula against Jacqueline Christian. Uh, from France. So we'll look forward to that one and we'll keep you across that when it gets going. But Brett Phillips will have everything for us at the Australian Open. Are you into it? Are you ready to rumble for the tennis of 2023? We're very, very lucky that we have the first major event of the season. This is where it all starts. They come off a very quick turnaround, but I always go to the favourites at this one. I know it's kind of the cheap way out or the easy way out, but there's a reason You go to like a Novak who's won nine of these things. You go to a Rafael Nadal because at the big events, they know exactly what to do. It's as simple as that. The players who are at the top of the list and who have been there before know exactly what to do. There's no surprises out of the two weeks of the Australian Open for somebody like an Igor Svantec or somebody like a Novak. And that's why you've got to count the favourites in early in this season. If they're injured, different story. And there are a few injury concerns around the hamstring of Novak. Remember, Nick Kyrgios will have to get past Novak if he's to go all the way in this tournament. That's a discussion to have further down the track, and we have to wait tomorrow for Kyrgios to play. So we'll wait and see what happens there. It's 18 and a half minutes after 10 for our Sydney listeners, 18 and a half minutes after 9 for our Brizzy and Gold Coast listeners who've joined us, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is the open line number. Let's take our first call of the morning, our first call of the year. Pedro the Rooster is on the line. Good morning to you, Pedro. Good to hear from you.
5: G'day, Matt. Welcome back. Thank you, mate. Mate, mate you mentioned in your opening about the entertainment quarter and just getting out of there. Um, surely in this day and age, and we've got the light rail there, I mean, it ends up leaving a bad taste in your mouth. You have a good uh, you know, good time, to, whatever sport it is, mm. or function, and and then spend the next 45 minutes trying to get out of the car park. Surely, in this day and age, you've got the light rail there. Think outside the box. Can they, can they start for free getting people on the light rail out to the race course and have a parking there? There's got to be something. I mean, compared to somewhere like India, where... where we haven't got a lot of people here. There's
0: got to be a better way. It's I, ridiculous. I 100% agree with you. And for our Brizzy and uh, Gold Coast listeners that are just joining us, uh, I was out at the SCG last night commentating the Scorches and the Sydney Sixers, and it was a great night, Pedro. It was a ripping night, you know, a really good night of sport. Weather was beautiful. There were 20,000 people there, so it wasn't a, a massive crowd by any stretch of the imagination. But on the way out at the Fox Entertainment Quarter, and I parked in that car park over there. And I've done it a million times. You probably have done as well. But trying to get out of that is a mess. It's an absolute mess. Now, it's not the biggest problem in the world. I think, Pedro, at the end of the day, I ended up sitting there. I didn't move for over half an hour. Right. So I got in there at about 11 o'clock and I didn't get out of there at all. In fact, I didn't start moving until 11.30. Now, that's not that's not a real hassle, but I was thinking about the amount of kids, mate, that were around me, and I was taking a look around, and those kids, thankfully it's holidays, but those kids who are jumping into a car at 11 o'clock at night, having a really good experience at the cricket, and then it all goes pear-shaped, and they're not moving. There's no sign of any movement going on, and I'm thinking, where's this duty of care? It's one thing to put on a great show, but it's kind of like how you get there and how you get out is not our responsibility, but somebody's got to make it a better environment. It adds to the whole experience. I totally agree with you, Pedro. I mean, were you there last night? So, so you got stuck in that, in that car park? No, no, well? no, I
5: wasn't there last night. Okay. No, I wasn't there last night. Just from past experience. And, yeah. and you know what? Well, I think it's a case of, well, it's not our, our problem. But why can't, why can't the, government, the New South Wales government, the people yeah. holding the, the sporting functions and the like just get together? Let's get together, and, and it's not that big a deal. As I say, like, there's countries in, in the world that have got 20, 50 times as many people to transport around, and yeah. they don't seem to have the problems we do because nobody will take responsibility for it. And they're shooting themselves in the foot because how many times have families thought to themselves, you know, I wouldn't want to go into that game, but, God, we'll end up getting home too late because of the traffic. No, nah, not going to go. So yeah. they're missing out. And it's, you
0: know, at the event. Yep, and there's options now as well. Good on you, Pedro. I appreciate that call. It wasn't a whinge by any stretch of the imagination, and and, and I did mention that this morning. I tell you what, I, I was I needed to get up early this morning, and I was I was just thinking, what a pity we've had such a really good night. I mean, the location of the Sydney Cricket Ground and the Moore Park region is what it is. I'm taking a look at the nine coverage, and I've been there and hosted the the, the tennis plenty of years, and I've spent a lot of time at Melbourne Park. Now, most of those that are going to go into Melbourne Park today will walk or they'll get the train straight in there because it's so close. You get into the city, you jump on a tram, I should say, and you zip across free, free access on the tram if you've got a ticket to the tennis. And all roads lead to Melbourne Park, right next door to the MCG, so it just works well. We don't have that in Sydney. But what we do have is a car parking system that's totally ineffective. <laughs> and Pedro's spot on. If they all get together and go, let's make it our problem instead of it's not our drama, then everyone will have a better experience. More people will want to go. It's that simple. 23 minutes after the hour, you can have your say, 0457 736 736. The big news this morning, Eddie Jones, back as Wallabies coach Dave Rennie, has been sacked and replaced by Jones, who's now on a new five-year deal. Now, 30 minutes away from the start of play at the Australian Open, so we'll keep you updated with with the scores as they start to come on in. So make sure you stay tuned to SEN for, well, the rest of the day, the rest of the week, the next couple of the whole year. Just keep it locked on. We're back in business on the morning show. It's great to have your company. I did ask the question earlier on, been away for a month or been away from the studio for a month. What did I miss? Is there anything I missed, folks? Is there anything that you need to enlighten me on? I I caught most of what was going on. I did spend a bit of time overseas. I'll tell you what I did miss. I missed the opportunity, even though I purchased a couple of tickets to go and watch Crystal Palace play Southampton at Selhurst Park. Um, I've been there before, thankfully, and it was an FA Cup match. Now, they're in the doldrums at the moment, Palace, so I didn't miss much, but I ended up missing it because the bloody trains were on strike. Which is nothing new over there, but it turned out to be a, a bit of a a bit of an adventure to try and get there. So we ended up sort of going, ah, oh, don't worry about it. And it turned out they got beaten by Southampton anyway, who'd been going worse than Palace. So I kind of missed something, but kind of didn't really miss something. Oh four five seven seven three six-seven three six from the Jawa on the text line. Thank God for Eddie Jones. So sick of hearing the we played well and came so close line. Just another loss and another excuse. That one from the Joe. There's another one here from Bulldog Bob, which I'll get to after the news on Eddie Jones and how it all played out and some of the stats around this decision to remove Dave Rennie and why, if he's the world's best rugby coach, did England sack Eddie Jones? Well, it's a fair question to ask, but there's a whole stack of reasons behind it. And let, let's let's just put this really clear. As soon as he was sacked, as soon as he was removed as coach by the RFU, Rugby Australia knew that they had to get him, and they moved very quickly. So that tells me that Rugby Australia knew that they had to move on from Dave Rennie if the right man came along, and as soon as he did, they pounced. i got no problems with that whatsoever because as nice as Dave Rennie might be and as much as he had the full you know, uh, thought process around making the Wallabies better and guiding them to the World Cup and the long-term plan and everything to go with it. The fact is the results weren't there. And Eddie Jones has the results on the board. It's always going to be a controversial decision, especially with him. But they had to make a move and they did so. And if they weren't, if they didn't, we'd be sitting here saying it's time for Rugby Australia to move on. They're dragging their feet. Well, they've done it. And now we've got... Eddie Jones, Mark 2. Back after the news. Good on you, Vanessa. Thank you for that. And, of course, on SENQ 693, Brizzy, 16.20am on the Gold Coast. uh, Noosa Bronco says, Matty, on car parking, (laughs) you obviously haven't been to the Brisbane Entertainment Centre an hour to get out on a good night, and it's been that way since it opened. That one from the Noosa Bronco. I have, but not in the car park, mate. So I'm not surprised to hear that, unfortunately. Matt says... Matty, getting out of that SCG precinct is and always has been a nightmare. I've got memories of going to the SCG with Dad, never having uh, seen the final ball. You just have to leave early to get home at a reasonable hour. Yep. Morning, Maddie. Welcome back. And the infrastructure in Sydney is shocking. The government needs to make it easier to get in and out of these sporting precincts. Jeez, the junior Smithy, well said. They're more worried about what somebody wore at their 21st than we're worrying about how you and I get out. But you've said it well. Need to make it easy to get in and out of these sporting precincts. Well, they don't want us to drive in the first place. There's a go-kart facility on the top floor of that car park, isn't it? It's now Disney Studios, not Fox Studios anymore. Um, they don't want us to drive. That's that's fair enough. If you don't want us to drive, get rid of the car park. Put more trains, 10 trams in there. Do, the ones that work. Do something, anything. Now, Bulldog Bob says, Matt, if Eddie Jones is the world's best rugby coach, why was he sacked by England? I feel sorry for Dave Rennie after the Wallabies recent European tour. They played 14 tests and won five, lost nine. In those nine losses, four of those games were lost by a total of seven points, two by a single point in the dying seconds of the game. They lost to New Zealand by two after the full-time siren, and the same with Ireland, losing only by three. While not a keen follower, I do take an interest, and I feel Rennie had the team heading in the right direction. After all... He took over a basket case. Also, were the players involved in this sacking? Did he lose the dressing room, as they say, says uh, Bulldog Bob. A few questions and a few stats in there. And heading in the right direction, to me, might be the truth, Bulldog Bob. That's also the worry. Because this four-year cycle, and, and you've been listening to me since we've been on air here on SEN, and I, I've constantly said it, this, this four-year cycle where coaches essentially are really only accountable or there's this only real accountability around results at the Rugby World Cup seem to be what it's all about and they kind of forget about everything along the way. I don't know about heading in the right direction. It just doesn't cut it anymore and clearly not heading in the right direction because this close to a World Cup, they've axed him. He's being given the old heave-ho. So Rugby Australia don't think that he's had the team heading in the right direction I don't think there's any players involved in this whatsoever. There's no talk of of any of that. And by all reports, Dave Rennie, very, very well liked and well respected within those circles. And we should point that out. I haven't had anything to do with him. I've had plenty to do with Eddie Jones over the years. And hopefully we'll get Eddie on this program and have a good chat to him. And they're very, very different figures from what I've seen of Dave Rennie versus Eddie. And when you go back to those results that you point out, you're right. There were those close losses. There was all that kind of stuff and there was everything going on. That is what happens to all teams. Sometimes injuries play a part. Bad luck plays a part. But the fact of the matter is they had that record loss to Argentina. They had that loss to the Springboks in Sydney. And at that time, Rugby Australia were negotiating or talking to Dave Rennie about possibly extending his tenure. Then they lost to Italy for the first ever time in Florence and Rugby Australia went, uh-oh, hang on a second, we've got a problem here. They he, he bought a bit of time by going down closely to Ireland and then coming back to beat Wales. So you can sort of see what's happening here. Rugby Australia and, and Dave Rennie are going up and down on this roller coaster and it appears as though they were prepared to ride it through until somebody else became available. So that's how it played out, and and you're right, Bulldog Bob, about those losses and the tightness and close results in those games. But that's the fact of the matter. Once they went down to Italy, it was time to pause and reset. And had Eddie Jones not been available, Dave Rennie'd still be coach. I think that's fair to say. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. But taking the team in the right direction doesn't cut it when you get this close. If you're not getting the results then they'll make the move, as brutal as it was. 2 a.m. Tommy is in the house. We're back together, Tommy. Morning, Matty. Morning, good to listeners. see you. Yeah, good
3: to be back good here. To
0: see. Is it too late to
1: say Happy New Year? Yes, it is. It is, isn't it? What um, is it? January 6th? First week, 7th of January, that's it.
0: 7th of January. So, yeah. you, put a t- you put a date on it. Well, it's the first week and then finish? Well, what if you haven't seen anyone?
1: Oh, I said it to Hey, Mark. mate, how was your New Year's? It was good, thanks. What, my New Year's Eve? Well, no, that's what you say. Hey, how was your New Year's? <laughs> good to see you. Haven't seen you since last Mate, year. Mate, I was in bed at we 10.30. 10.30.
0: Oh, you were really? Yeah, I made the local fireworks and then I went and
1: crashed because we had a flight the next day. Oh, there, yeah, fair enough. So that was fair It enough. is a bit overrated New Year's Eve. Well, it's yeah. still a bit of fun though. Exactly. I had a so great you're, time. So you you're back and ready to rumble? Back and ready to rumble. was in Melbourne for the Boxing Day test. That was yep. a bucket list item ticked off, so that was great. It was there day one and day three, so missed the David Warner double century, but that's when it was 37 degrees, so I don't really regret that. Yeah. Missing that. That's okay. Well, you didn't really miss it, did you? No, I was watching at a pub in nice air conditioning. So, yeah. and the, can I just say another thing? The pints and the pots that they've got down in Melbourne, yeah. it's so annoying. Yeah. I don't want to, they call a pot a, a midi. Yeah. And then you've got a pint. I just want a schooner. Yeah. I don't want a midi. I don't well, want a, a pint
0: doesn't change.
1: No, a pint Pint's a pint. Yeah, a pint's a pint. But, but then your pot, pots and schooners. Yeah. Like it's, a, yeah. it's called a midi. It's a midi. Still got the same stuff in it. Yeah. but Could st- always buy anyway. a bottle I'm, yeah, but I'm not going to go to a pub to buy a bottled beer. Yeah, you, you want it off the tap. It tastes okay. a lot better. Uh, but did see Alex Carey Century, his first ever Century. So that was amazing. And then was in Bali for a week with my girlfriend. Got back on last Tuesday. So that was good. But just make sure you don't have any ice cubes in any of your cocktails. No. Because you'll get the dreaded no. Bali belly, oh. which was not fun whatsoever.
0: Oh, no. No, no, no.
1: Did David Warner, in your opinion, be... Deserve to be player of the series. <laughs> so I think he scored, what, 200 of his 213 runs in one, in in one innings. <laughs> in I think innings. That, yeah, this was covered extensively last week, but that was just the biggest joke. Was that just saying, hey, Dave, uh, can you not say anything more outlandish until you finish your career whenever <laughs> that happens? Um, but I mean, look, it's going to be great. It's going to be really interesting viewing what happens. What is it? Is it end of February? We start the test series. I think it is mm. against India where he averages 28, and I think he averages 26 in England for the Ashes. So uh, a massive couple of months for David Warner on the Australian cricket team. Have
0: you ever been caught in the Fox um, Entertainment Quarter
1: car park? Now, I have to come be honest here. I'd, I have been in a privileged position <laughs> growing up because my mum fortunately lives on Park Road. And if Aye. anyone has been to the SCG at Allianz Stadium, they've probably walked past... The Olympic Hotel, which is on yeah. the corner of Regent Street and Moore Park Road. And my mum, fortunately enough, lives two doors up from right. the Olympic Hotel. So growing up, I was very fortunate, would leave Allianz, would leave SCG, walk Ten meters up Moor Park Road, and I pop in home. Mm. So well, I've i have been very, very lucky in yeah. that sense. But I do understand the frustration. We didn't get a chance to chat with Dougie Bollinger
0: this morning, but it was interesting because Dougie and I called last night. He ended up parking in the NRL headquarters, it's you know, around that, park. that little car park. But I didn't get a, I didn't get a ticket, so I didn't get a pass. So we left each other at the gate as mm-hmm. we were exiting the SCG. I said, see you later. So I'm interested to know if Dougie got. I mean, he would have got out much quicker than I. I'll
1: send him a text. But yeah. also a little little tip, if you're waiting for the light rail, if you walk up to Oxford Street, I know it is a little bit of a walk and there's a bit of a hill there. You go up Regent Street or you go up Oatley Road, Yes. you wait for the 333, 352, that will take you straight into the city. Yeah. So, so.
0: you've come into 2023 yeah. with another segment, Transport Tips with Tommy. Sure.
1: <laughs> I'm happy to do it. Transport New South Wales, you want to sponsor the segment? Well, we're going to have to send you <laughs> up to Queensland as well. For yeah, our SENQ listeners. Yeah, listeners. So I'm happy with that.
0: Go and hit the streets of
1: Brisbane and around the Gold Coast and, and do some transport tips. Matty, you were asking, before we get to the break, you were asking for the favourite sporting moment um, across the summer so far. Why don't we do some headlines there for Tommy's Tribune? Send in some headlines for the best m- sporting moment over the summer that you have seen. Was it David Warner's century? Is it going to happen in the next two weeks? Is Nick Kyrgios going to lift that Australian Open trophy? Um, was it something in the A-League? Was it the rejuvenation of the Big Bash the last few weeks that we have seen? sending your Tommy's Tribune headlines for the best sporting moment of the summer so far you win a Signet Boost power bank
0: oh we got the Signet Boost got power them bank back for 2023 you know I've, I've now got one it's in the backpack and it's ready to go home so after giving away so many we've still got a few left in the in the kit bag so you're after headlines for the biggest sporting moment of the summer so far so far or perhaps to come yes all right, we're going to do Tommy's Tribune a little bit later on, the first of 2023, where we just ask for headlines. We don't need anything further than that. Just give us a headline. You're still into your rhyming slang. You want your um, alliteration as well, all the same old, same olds, but just come up with some good stuff. Oh, four, five, seven, seven, three, six, seven, three, six. back after this. Uh, day one of play getting underway very soon, about uh, 10 or 12 minutes away before round one gets underway at the Australian Open. Beautiful conditions. Down there, the roof is open on Rod Laver Arena, so we'll bring you all of that action as soon as it starts on centre court and the outside courts as well. Six Australians in action on day one, and of course, uh, Nick Kyrgios tomorrow night on John Kane Arena. Damien on the text line says Rugby Australia had to act quickly to get Eddie, otherwise, he would have been lost to the US or back to Japan. Unfortunately, Rennie is collateral damage, but it is the right decision for the code. Eddie's a great change manager. The rewards will be evident very quickly. Thank you, Damien. Um, not only US or back to Japan, but let's not forget that he he was pretty pretty vocal about NRL as well. It, it'd have to be a risk. And a, a bit's been written about this, and obviously Michael Checker has had his hand in there along the way, but it'd have to be a risk. But someone's going to take it sooner or later in the NRL. Someone will take that risk to go with an Eddie or go with a Michael Checker um more than say what Czech has already done in rugby league. Brayden from Perth has tuned back in. Good on you, Brayden. Thank you. He says, happy to hear you back on the radio. Tune back in in the West. Bring on the 2023 season. Thank you, Brayden. And thank you for getting back on board with us for this year. Matt from Hunters Hill. Good to hear from you. Rennie's issue was that he's getting super rugby players with poor skills that don't know the rules. I'm not sure how Jones being coach changes the grassroots system. Well, it's not a bad point, Matt. It's not a bad point at all, and and you know this is this is part of the gig, isn't it? A five year tenure that will put him in charge of the Wallabies, in charge of the Wallaroos as well, and therefore in charge of the Australian Rugby Union system all the way down. But you make a good point. How does that filter down very quickly? Uh, regarding the Moore Park Sports District parking issue, um. The oval car parking needs a gate straight onto Anzac Parade. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, my wife came out, so she was parked that's on that side, so they also had a bit of a log jam. I mean, it is what it is. The red-hot rooster with that text. It, it is what it is, but there's no doubt about it that it could be better. And it's just a pity, isn't it, that you have such a great experience and such a wonderful time at that crazy venue that is... The SCG, crazy beautiful, I'm saying, on a night like that, and then you go, ah, what a bummer it ended up like that. And then there's a text here which I'll find about just zipping straight back into the city on the public transport, which is spot on. Uh, Matt, you mentioned an interesting stat uh, statistic earlier, Re Eddy. You stated that Rod McQueen had a winning percentage of 79%. Yet after Jones took over from him, the winning percentage dropped to 57%. So is he still the man for the job after what appears to be taking the team backwards? Oh, that's not a bad thought. So Rod McQueen coached from 97 to 01 before he retired. 43 uh, matches and 34 of those won. So 34 out of 43 he won. And Eddie won 33 out of 57, so coached more matches. But, yeah, the percentage was certainly down um, from Rod McQueen to Eddie Jones. The difference there is that Eddie was the next man in line and Rod retired. Um, So it wasn't a a case of replacing one with the other and sacking him along the way. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. But, I mean, (laughs) how how do you justify a 36% win rate? and try to keep it going into a World Cup year. You just don't. You just don't. Big fan of Eddie, cracking bloke and brilliant coach, says this texter. I'm Very happy. It's Peter, Peter Rabbit on the text. Very happy for Australian rugby. Dave's a good bloke who's had a terrible run with injured players and some very, very close losses. And there's truth in all of that. Uh, thank you for that. 0457 736 736 is the text number. Or give me a call this morning, 1300 01 1170. So we've got play coming up very soon down there at the Australian Open. Um, wild card round in the NFL. And in the third quarter, New York lead the Vikings. It's close again, 24 21. So the Buffalo Bills got the win this morning over the Miami Dolphins. Another tight one, 34 31. Some extraordinary performances. Across the weekend, we'll get more of that with Benny Graham. He can talk us through that in uh, our next hour. Good to see my man, Jimmy Courier back in action at the Australian Open as well. So you'll hear from Jim throughout Nine's coverage. Uh, how about... Oh, OK, so we've got some headlines coming through. That one from Brett. I'll hold that, Brett, and I'll get back to it a little bit later when Tommy um, reignites the Tribune for 2023. 0457736. 736. Be part of the show anytime. Yeah, and plenty of those texts uh, around the big news of the day with Eddie Jones being appointed Wallaby's coach and therefore Dave Rennie uh, being given the sack. He's, he's unable to coach for any other, t- any other country ahead of the World Cup, according to Christy Doran at theraw.com.au. So he'll be paid out the rest of his term, which was running until the end of the World Cup and has been placed on gardening leave. So obviously that was something within uh, the contract that he was on top of. So not allowed to be part of any other plans for uh, the World Cup, which is interesting when you look at what's happened with Jones. Let go by England and here he is taking over Australia just a month later or just a few weeks later. The same can't be said for Dave Rennie. Um, Good morning, Matt, on the text line. Jay from Blacktown, nice to hear from you this morning. Jay, whilst I appreciate the stats don't lie, there is one major component, he says, everyone seems to overlook with Australian rugby, the players. We still haven't settled on a number 10. We're recalling old washed-up cattle and Rugby Australia has huge financial issues. I'm no apologist for Rennie, but rugby in this country has real problems. I truly hope Scotty Wisemantle isn't forever lost to the Australian rugby coaching ranks. Well, he stepped down, and that's probably a key indicator of what's been going on. Feel for Rennie, says Hugh96, but for Eddie, it was now or never. Have a chat with Drew Mitchell. He was at Camp Wallaby a couple of days ago, but I think that's a good saying, now or never, and that's why they acted when they did. Welcome back to the program, the final hour of the program, the Australian Open, day one of competition, getting underway very soon. So first action, uh, about to kick off, Coco Gough, the number seven seed, will be first up on Rod Laver Arena against Katarina Siniakova. So she will get things going, or both of those ladies will get things going. The women's singles first round, Jess Pegula on Margaret Court Arena against Jacqueline Christian. Uh, later on this afternoon, Rafael Nadal is the afternoon match against Jack Draper. So the defending champion first out today, and then the lineup tonight in the night session on Rod Laver Arena features Iga Swiatek, who as uh, Brett Phillips told us is so far ahead when it comes to uh, being number one in the world. Eight-time winner on tour last season, including two majors along the way, uh, the U.S. Open and Roland Garros. She's got Julie Niemener from Germany, and then Daniil Medvedev. Will be last up on court on centre court against Marcos Duron from the USA. So that's the lineup today um, for the big names and especially there on centre court. For the Aussies, we've got six in action on day one. So we'll keep you across this when they start coming out throughout the day here on And Jason Kubler will be on John Kane Arena. Taylor Gibson, so all of these wild cards into the Australian Open. John Millman has Marc Andrea Hustler. On court three. Olivia Gadecki will be out on court eight. Storm Hunter on court seven. And Rinki Hijikata takes on Yannick Huntman on court number eight. And Nick Kirios on John Kane Arena tomorrow night from seven o'clock. So that's the lineup, and we'll keep those scores coming your way. O four five seven seven three six-seven three six is the text line. Ben Graham joining us soon to talk NFL. On the text, the Logan Warrior poses a good question. What happens to Eddie if he doesn't win the World Cup? It's a good question. Well, he's on a five-year deal. So unless it's a complete catastrophe and everything goes massively pear-shaped, he'll be there for the next five years because you've also got what's in front of us as well. Now, I did make the point early on that this is, make no mistake, this is about the World Cup. There's no question about it. They want the success at the Rugby World Cup that they didn't think they were going to get from Dave Rennie but they are also looking further down the line as well. We've got a home Lions series in 2025 and then the 2027 World Cup as well. So what happens to Eddie Jones if they don't win the World Cup? Were they expected to win or are they expected to win the World Cup? I I don't think so at the moment, but I think he'll still be there. Um, Thank you for that text and thanks for posing the question. Last time he coached us, says this texter, he was sacked. Renowned as a one-man band the way he coached, he'll probably do okay knowing that all available players will be over the injuries. I feel sorry for Rennie. He was very, very well liked by the team, and I think that sentiment will be um, certainly far and wide from the playing group as well. But Rugby Australia had to make a call here, and once Eddie Jones became available, the call became pretty clear, in my opinion. Now, we've got the one-day international about to get underway, the match was being delayed a little bit earlier because of bad weather up there in Brisbane, Allen Border Field. It's the one-day international series between Australia and Pakistan. Australia won the toss and will bowl first. Um, Phoebe Litchfield has been given her cap, so she'll make her ODI debut for Australia. The team, Beth Mooney, um, Litchfield. Meg Lanning returns as captain, as we know. Um, Elise Perry also in the team, no doubt. Talia McGrath, Ashley Gardner, Annabel Sutherland, Jess Jonason, Alana King, Megan Schutt and Darcy Brown. So that's the lineup for Australia. I was just uh, taking a look at some of the stats here. Australia have won all 24 previous completed matches they've played against Pakistan in all formats, and they come into this series having won 20 consecutive bilateral ODI series dating back to January 2014. Their 15 wins and zero defeats at Allen Border Field is the greatest unbeaten record for any women's ODI team at a single venue. What a team of superstars. Um, That on ESPN, crickinfo.com. So the stats there are quite overwhelming for the Aussies. So good luck to them, and we'll keep you abreast with the scores. They've just come out onto the field as we speak, both teams. So they'll do some national anthems, and some pretty heavy clouds around. But let's hope that they get underway soon and they get a full day's play, the first of the ODIs. Benny Graham coming up very soon as we talk NFL this morning. A couple of your texts before we get to that. Rooster Man says, Maddie, I went out to watch under-16-17 Tigers trials on the weekend versus the Sharks as my stepson was playing. Wow. Tigers pathway program is working. They've got some great players. Good one. A positive Tigers text for once, says the Rooster Man. Thank you for that. Uh, Other NRL NRL news that we brought you this morning, the Daily Telegraph reporting that Lockie Miller is on the verge of signing with the Newcastle Knights, so being released from the Cronulla Sharks to take up a three-year deal with the Newcastle Knights and slot into the number one jersey. So Caelan Ponga will be playing six this year, Jackson Hastings alongside him, and Lockie Miller leaving the Sharks and going across to the Newcastle Knights, there's still a player swap, according to the reports, that's a possibility, a possibility there that a player swap will be needed to complete that transaction. However, they've made the decision, according to the telly, to allow, this is the Sharks, to allow Miller to accept a long-term offer that secures his future, a three-year deal. Um, at the base of all that, is Ponger returning or giving going into the number six jersey full time for Adam O'Brien? And I did pose the question, I'd like your thoughts on it. Do you think that changes the game for the Knights, who had a pretty torrid 2022? They finished 14th on the ladder. And with this kind of move and having a full-time full back in Lockie Miller and Ponger at number six, do you think that changes anything? Let me know. Whatever you bet on, take it to the Neds level. Gamble responsibly and call 1-800-858-858. We do that because we're about to talk NFL with our SEN NFL expert, Ben Graham. G'day, Benny. Nice to talk to you, mate. Gee, wildcard round's been fascinating, hasn't it?
6: Oh, it has, Matty. Welcome back. Yeah, they call it Super Wildcard Round for a reason, and it has been exactly that right now in the Giants and Vikings wildcard game. It's 24 apiece probably should have given the listeners a warning if they wanted to watch the end of this game. There's 12 <laughs> minutes to go. They only met two weeks ago in Minnesota and the Vikings won 27-24. The Vikings are 11-0 in one score games, But the Giants have also been in a lot of one score games this year. 13 in fact. 8-4 and 1. So this is going to go right down to the wire. It's been a bit of a shootout of sorts. It's slowed down because the defense has are trying to find a way to stop each of the offense. Daniel Jones is having a career day uh, in the air and on the ground. But yeah, right now, 24 apiece. We could see our first overtime game in Super super wildcard weekend
0: yeah so 48 points currently scored in this match 65 points scored earlier today between the buffalo bills and miami dolphins the bills got home 34 31 is that a feature is that somewhat of a feature of wildcard round because we do have some big scores throughout these games
6: well generally you see some lower scores defensive kind of games in playoffs but the way the NFL has built it with the rules. It's a quarterback league. They love the high scoring. And it's exactly what we're getting. I mean, that Dolphins-Bills game. The Bills started that game like we thought they would. They were 14-0 in the blink of an eye. But then the Dolphins found a way to get back in it. They picked off Josh Allen twice. They, fumped, they recovered a fumble and returned it for a touchdown. And the Dolphins took the lead and had themselves in a winning position at the end of that game. They are fourth and one, but they've got an inexperienced third-string quarterback Skylar Thompson. Didn't understand that the play clock was about to expire. They had their opportunity to at least get themselves in the field goal range to tie this game up. But a delay a game forced them back to fourth and six and they weren't able to execute. The Bills hung on mm. and they were heavy favourites too. So the NFL as a funny way of Producing these close games, particularly in the playoffs. But the Bills live to fight
0: another day. And everybody's still talking about Jacksonville's incredible come from behind. So they were 27-0 down. And they come back to beat the Chargers 31-30. It's the third largest comeback in NFL playoff history. An extraordinary game. Extraordinary turnaround, too. And you mentioned it's a quarterback league. And the quarterback for the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, had to really fight his way back into it, and talk about turning things around. It was extraordinary, his performance.
6: Uh, this is a, an example. When a team gets up so heavy on an opposition, they can try and shut it down, run the ball, take some time off the clock. But the Chargers' problem when they led 27 nothing is that they were unable to run the football. Yeah, their defence did a great job. Before the half, the Jaguars did score a touchdown. But Trevor Lawrence, four interceptions in the first half, an extraordinary turnaround. But this is where Doug Peterson, the coach, the new coach, needs to get the credit because he would have gone in at halftime. He talked about they needed to keep chipping away one play at a time. He was able to settle Trevor Lawrence down and they approached the second half with a new mindset. And he absolutely dominated that second half. Every bit of a number one draft pick, four touchdowns, he ended up with, but there was a critical play like the Dolphins had at the end of their game this morning against the bills. It was fourth and one Trevor Lawrence at the line of scrimmage. He understood what the defense were trying to do. He changed the play But Doug Peterson called a timeout to give them more time to assess what play they were going to run against that defense. They showed like it was going to be a quarterback sneak, but Travis Etienne junior, the running back went around the edge for 25 yards, which set up that game winning field goal. It was a great performance by Trevor Lawrence in the second half. Great coaching to settle their young quarterback down at halftime. And that play call set up the game-winning field goal. And the Jaguars in an upset in a fantastic, amazing comeback.
0: So nine and a half to go between New York and the Vikings. It remains 24 apiece. So a final word from you on the remaining fixtures. We've still got another one today. The Bengals against the Ravens. And then it's Tampa Bay v Dallas tomorrow. So how do you see those two playing out?
6: Well, the Bengals beat the Ravens last week. And I think firing on all cylinders, the offense of the Cincinnati Bengals, they're on a roll. They've won eight in a row. Joe Burrows, one of my favorite quarterbacks, Jamar Chase, wide receiver. They can get their running game going with Joe Mixon. It should be a walk in the park against the Ravens without Lamar Jackson. It's an AFC North matchup. Stranger things have happened, but I think the Bengals will win that one. And the Cowboys and the Buccaneers is an interesting one. We go back to week one when the Buccaneers beat the Cowboys. Everybody wrote the Cowboys off. But they've been 12-4 and since the Cowboys. They did lose last week in Washington playing their starters when they already had the fifth seed locked in. But the Buccaneers win the South in the NFC with a losing record, but they've got Tom Brady at quarterback. So you can never underestimate that. But I think the body of work, for the Cowboys will suggest that they will get the job done. I'm not expecting a high-scoring game in this one, but the Cowboys, I think, just get in and keep their Super Bowl dreams alive. And let's not forget about the 49ers talking to the NFC. They beat the Seahawks yesterday comfortably. And Brock Purdy, <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant, third-string quarterback, 6-0 and as a starter, season-high yards, 332 Three touchdowns, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel had an amazing game and their defence continues to be the best defence in the NFL. So whatever happens for the rest of today and tomorrow certainly sets up a great divisional round next week.
0: Yeah, 41-23, the final score in that one. And Mr Irrelevant is certainly making himself very relevant at the back end of the season. Good on you, BG. We'll talk again next week.
6: Thanks, Maddie. Enjoy the rest of the weekend.
0: Ben Graham there. Whatever you bet on, take it to the Neds. Level gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. 24 apiece, eight and a half minutes and a bit uh, remaining between New York and the Vikings. 24 all. So we'll keep our eyes on that one. Play underway at the Australian Open. Coco Goff has... Uh, held serve. so she leads the way against Sinia Kova, one love in the first set. oh four five, seven seven, three, six, seven, three, six. We're shooting from the hip on all directions today, folks. There's all sorts of stuff going on. The one day international is underway now at Allen Border Borderfield or about to get underway um at Allen Border Borderfield, Yes, it is. So Pakistan batting first here after Meg Lanning won the toss and decided to bowl. So lots of live sport for us to talk about. Your thoughts around Eddie Jones as well. Gary says, Maddie, good luck to Eddie Jones. Also, is it possible that Dave Rennie might finish up in the New Zealand camp? As they say, there are rumblings about their coaching. Time will tell. Um, Well, as I pointed out, which is what Christy Doran um, pointed out to us is that he's on gardening leave now and being paid out his contract. And as far as, That report goes he can't be part of any other coaching scenario for the World Cup. So I think the answer to that is no at this stage, but you never know. Time will tell. Thank you for that. 18 and a half minutes after 11 for our Sydney listeners, 18 and a half after 10 for those tuning in in Queensland. Back after this on The Morning Show. Welcome back. First wicket has fallen between Australia and Pakistan. So the Aussies have struck early here in the one-day international a series getting underway at Allen Border Field. So, the first of three matches, Manubi Ali has been dismissed for a duck. So, Darcy Brown strikes a catch from Sutherland in the outfield. So, Annabelle Sutherland takes the catch, and Pakistan are one for three. So, one for three after what's that? Uh, that's in the second over. So one for three. Australia won the toss and chose to field. Meg call called to bowl first has paid dividends early. Ali gone for a duck court. Sutherland bowled Brown. Play underway at the Australian Open. Coco Gough uh, and Siniakova on serve at the moment. Goff leading 2-1 in the first with Siniakova serving there in the fourth game of the first set. So it's all going on here on The Morning Show, 0457 736 736. Now, yesterday at Belle Reve Oval, we had this incident between, well, it turned out to be between Matt Wade and Davey Warner. Um, just as I got to the SCG to cover the Sixers v Scorchers game, this was happening. So we kind of saw it um, almost a little bit too late because then we started commentating the game. We, we couldn't work out what really had happened aside from the push and shove. And one of our listeners texted in to say... Um, it appeared as though, uh, I think it was Matty Wade had something in his eye and Chris Green was bowling. Tim David was at the other end and Wade wasn't happy that it was moving on and Green wasn't happy. So that, that's the sort of scenario. What happened at the end of all that was a little bit of back and forth banter and then Warner and Wade kind of got face to face. Davy Warner just sort of pushed him away. And, you know, it was, oh, this is inappropriate and all that kind of stuff. I was play on. There was nothing to it. But it was good to see. Um, So let's get to the bottom of it a little bit. I mean, was it a stoush? Wasn't it a stoush? Was it really a worry or not? My opinion, not. Bit of fun, maybe. A little bit of heat at the moment. Everyone standing their ground, which is cool. Here's Chris uh, Chris Green explaining what happened on Channel 7. I think we're all right. I can't hit him. That was more my frustration. You know, we're, we're both fierce competitors on the field and, and don't want to give a look uh, a look in. So i um, trying to create something out of nothing. But, um, yeah, there's no, no interest there. You know, there's a lot of feeling when, when I run out for the Thunder and I'm sure Wadey's the same for, for any team he plays for as well.
6: Did you hug and kiss and make up?
0: For me, there's nothing to make up. There's, <laughs> there's no issue. I mean, honestly, if, if you want to keep digging, there, there's, there's nothing there. We both played with feeling on the field, as I said. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've got no issues with him personally and um you know we walk away from the game it's it's off the field now well said chris green so that's the first time i've heard that and i'm so glad to hear it um well said chris green they went down again their third loss in a row the sydney thunder so you know you can you can understand why they're standing their ground out there they they're all competitors they're all going for the victory but you know nothing deep in it it's what happens i think it's simply because at the end of all that like i said um, Warner v. Wade, which is, I mean, that's that's UFC territory. That's where you put those two blokes. Um, let's hear from the other side. So Tim David, who had an extraordinary run. He finished with 70-odd off uh, 40-odd deliveries. I mean, a, a great effort from the Hobart Hurricanes batsman Tim David. He was out there in the middle of it all. So here's his take on it.
2: Obviously, we know Wadey uh, loves getting into the contest and, and being a bit feisty. Greeny was winding him up. Um, they were suggesting I was going to get run out again or another run out. So, you know, I was just there trying to defuse it and the, they were just going at each other a little bit. So it was it was pretty friendly, to be honest. Um, everyone plays against each other so much. So, yeah, if it got a little bit further than that, there's no point.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So the, uh, the what we got from our listener was was uh, doesn't seem to feature in that one. It was just everyone winding each other up. There was also a bit of a man-cad warning last night uh, at the SCG and it was Dan Christian who was brought on for one over, took two wickets. The, the over before while he was fielding, I'm pretty sure, and Dan, if you're listening to us, I hope you don't take this the wrong way because I saw it, you were chasing down a ball. He's the oldest player out there. He was chasing down a ball. He actually motioned that he, was, he got the wheels going to get it going. <laughs> I'm the old bloke out here. Next minute he's bowling and he takes two wickets, bang, bang, to essentially put the Perth Scorchers out of the game. Well, I mean, it didn't finish up the game, but it was a masterstroke from Moses Enriquez to put Dan into the picture. And he gave the opener, Stephen Eskenazi, a warning, a man-cad warning, and didn't hold back on it either. Stopped mid-action, didn't have a crack at at the bales at all, but did turn around. It was clearly picked up on the microphone to say, "Um, hey, mate, that's your first warning. That's your first warning. So the man cat issue is going to continue on because of the way that it's now in the rule book as is what it is. They're going to continue to use it. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Uh, the real incident was Wade having a crack about, uh, crack about green chucking happens to greenie a lot, says Matt. Thank you. Um, either way, either way, mate, they're all winding each other up. Uh, Current sport, did I miss the Dakar rally update? Toby Price outright second in the most gruelling rally event in the world. Regards, Tony. Thank you for that. Uh, No, you didn't miss it. Haven't got to that one in the morning. It was on my radar um, to update what Toby was doing, looking for another victory there in, you're right, the most gruelling rally event in the world. I'll dig a bit deeper and try and catch up with Toby and also uh, my mate Molly Taylor, who was out there as well in the can side of that. But incredible performance yet again from Toby to finish outright second. It is um, a bizarre event. Grueling's probably the most apt word for it, Tony, but thank you for that. He's an absolute freak of the sport, Toby, and incredible at what he does. And to get through another one to finish in the top two for a former champion is extraordinary. So thank you for that. But it's been that kind of morning, hasn't it? 0457 7367 3 6. New York now lead uh, 31 points to 24 in this wild card match with six minutes remaining in it against the Vikings. More after the news. Thank you, Vanessa. We like to cover as many sports as we can here on what's been a very busy day back. First day back in the office, so to speak. Uh, I want to take you out to the Avondale Golf Club in Sydney. President Graham Houston is on the line because the Avondale Amateur kicks off. Well, the official practice round kicks off this morning ahead of round one tomorrow it's got a long and storied history this event in in a lot of ways and graham's always great with his time good morning to you graham
2: great to chat yeah thanks maddie for having us on how's the course it's how's the how's the weather yeah, out cool. there mate uh weather's sensational 28 degrees and uh the course is remarkable given given all the rain we had in sydney over the last 12 months so the team have done a fantastic job it's looking absolutely schmick so uh yeah 168 golfers descending on it uh, as we speak from uh, from eight countries around the world.
0: Terrific. The history, as I mentioned, of this one. So you go back to 1951 when the Avondale Bowl was established yeah. and the Avondale medal um, has been played for, what, since 61, so 10 years later, yeah. and, and and now yeah. they're combined for the overall title, which which came into effect in 2017. So a wonderful history, not only at your club, but in this event as well.
2: Yeah, look, it, it, the club are incredibly proud of uh, the part they play in the development of amateurs in Australia. And uh, it's a world-ranking event uh, with R&A. It's a Golf, a Golf New South Wales Order of Merit. Um, it's Golf Australia uh, ranking event. And for the women, it's a uh, Kari Webb, part of the Kari Webb series. So mm. it's a really important piece of uh, these younger golfers' development and yeah, opportunity to play in these these amateur tournaments. Uh, Master of the amateurs uh, down in Victoria, the the Aussie Am uh, last week, and uh, and of course the Evandale amateur. So no fantastic events, and you know watching some of the talent is just you know amazing. you know, these young kids coming through.
0: <laughs> and they hit it long too, don't they mate have you, have, you, have you made Have you made any changes to the course over the last couple of years?
2: Well, interesting, you have no, we haven't changed the course so much, but for the amateur, we actually um, trick it up on a couple of the holes, make it a bit shorter. Um, which is, uh, you know, gives them an opportunity to have a crack. Um, So some of the par fours um, bring the tees a bit forward um, on one of the days and uh, that really opens it up and you get a bit of an exhibition as, uh, you know, the brave-hearted have a crack and, uh, yeah, completely changes the course.
0: So they're out there practising today, round one, Tomorrow, as I mentioned, you've got the medal and the bowl uh, being played for at the same time for the Avondale amateur overall. Um, who do you think we need to look forward to or, or take a good look at over the next couple of days?
2: Yeah, tough one. Um, <laughs> when the top 20 for the men um, come in with a plus four handicap, um, there's <laughs> a few to choose from. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the, uh, and the women aren't much uh, much behind them. You know, The half, the 50% of the field have got a plus two handicap or better. So, but we've got Kazuma Kabori. Um, he won the Aussie Ann last week, uh, young Kiwi um, uh, from Rangiora. John Goff um, from England, uh, yeah. he mastered the amateurs down in uh, Victoria, winner last week. He's the 2021 English amateur champion. Um, so, who his brother also won. Um, so, an amazing family. Um, We've got the locals that uh, know the track. Chris Fan playing with a handicap of just under seven plus seven. Oh. Uh, Jai Pickin was fifth last week. These guys know this course intimately. So, uh, and we've got Jaden Ford from New Zealand. He's come back. He was he's the defending champion mm. from last year. So, uh, you know, from the men's side, there's there's anyone of uh, of these guys could step up. Yeah. And the women. Um, not much, uh, not much between them either. You know, we've got uh, South Korean Sheree uh, Lim playing off a plus seven. Um, as I said, fifty percent of the field plus two. Justice Bozio's back from um, uh, she tied second last year. She got second in the Aussie Am last week. Um, Caitlin Pierce from Royal Adelaide um, um, is, is back again. So a really strong contingent, both local and uh, and from from overseas. You know, eight countries. Um, it, it's it's impressive to see.
0: Absolutely, a lot of talent and a lot of those coming in, like you say, from overseas, which is always great to hear, mate. Best of luck for the days ahead. Good luck to all of your great volunteers out there, because that's where the success of the running of this all comes from, and your staff as well. Great to catch up with you, and we'll stay tuned uh, over the course of the next few days. Thanks, Graham. Enjoy the enjoy Good. the tournament.
2: Good on you, Matty. I appreciate your
0: time. The, the Avondale Golf Club is hosting the Avondale Amateur. So Jaden Ford, as he mentioned, back to defend the medal that he won last year. It's quite extraordinary, isn't it? The amount of golfers, the amount of talent, and also where they're coming from, far and wide. Good on you, Graham. Thank you for that. First set is about to be wrapped up by Coco Goff here against Sinia Kova, and in fact, she's done so. So she put the hammer down uh, and has taken the first set on Rod Laver Arena 6 1. So the seventh seed is cruising against Sydney Kova in the first matchup on centre court on day one of the Australian Open. Meanwhile, Australia v. Pakistan, Alan Borderfield 1 for 19. Pakistan losing an early wicket, so into the fifth over at the moment. And Pakistan 1 for 19 after Australia won the toss and chose to bowl. 0457 736 736. Maddie says Matt have you noticed bowlers only use the man cad trick when they're getting belted or if it gets close and runs to win the match I find it a really poor look all round. and funny how it's never uh, brought out at the beginning of an innings only when the bowler is under stress well they've got every right to do it um that that's the thing Matt and where, where they where they use it is you know you're probably probably right dependent on how things are going for them and how the match is going for them. Um, I know that Eskenazi, he was there, he opened the batting for Perth last night and he was there the whole way through. He was there at the end of it when they just fell short. Um, but by the time that Dan Christian called him up on it, he was well and truly leading his way out of the crease, as in good couple of feet. Now, if Dan Christian had to stop and throw the ball back, he would have been out. So you're right, there comes a point as to when they want to use it, and obviously they're only going to use it when it's a time in the match where it's going to work in their favour or they just want to call up a player, but it's there to be used now. And and as much as the spirit of the game argument goes around, and I'm involved in cricket um, at a coaching level at the moment, as as much as that argument is there, the fact is it's in the rule book. So if, if you want to go asking about the spirit of the game, then do we ask about other rules in the game as well? I mean, what about the six that hit the roof at Marvel Stadium the other day? Shouldn't that be a dead ball? Uh, Darcy Brown's just taken another wicket here. So 2 for 19 is the score. So another wicket has fallen for Pakistan. Just getting a replay of it. And it's another catch. Court and bold, yes. Great effort from Brown. So the ball popped up. She was well and truly in her follow-through. And she's hit the deck pretty hard in taking that just to her right side. So amin has gone for four. Court and bold, Brown. Australia, um, Sending Pakistan into bat and two for 19 after 5.2 overs. Um, as they go to the second set on centre court, go- Coco Goff taking the first 6-1 against Siniakova. All going on, Tommy. Guns blazing, oh. NFL, tennis, cricket. How good is this for a Monday morning, Matty? 31-24, the Giants lead the Vikings with two and a half minutes to go. So New York 31-24 still play to come here. In the final stages
1: of this wild card match. The Vikings are fourth quarter specialists, so this season, Maddie. Ooh, are they? Kirk Cousins can lead a comeback this year, so. There's been
0: some comebacks.
1: Yeah, there has been plenty of comebacks, so just watch yeah. this. These two and a half minutes, uh, Mark, you probably let me know. Let's go for about 15 minutes here.
5: Yeah, 15 to With the amount of yeah. adverts we need to get in for the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. Sure. The next game doesn't kick off till half past 12, so they've got all the time in the world. They'll be taking every commercial break
1: they can. NBA oh. and NFL, the amount of time they can spread out for oh, the last two minutes is is You think NRL have got yeah. some time-wasting problems. Yeah. And if NFL and NBA is on a whole different level. Well, this next two and a half minutes could have kept me occupied in the car at, uh, at the car park last night at Fox Studios. <laughs> so it's 11.41 right now. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if this goes until... Um, we finished the show.
0: Ooh, okay. Um, what about Lawrence, who just affected that tackle on your man, Cousins, in the play before? He is a massive unit. I don't know who I'd be more,
1: more scared of, him or the New York Giants coach. Maddie, can I ask you, back to the cricket front, if one of your players oh did the man cad and they got the opposition player out, say the opposition player was, was playing really well, 30, you know, in, scoring well, they did a man cad and mm. they got him out. What's your reaction as the coach sitting on the sideline? Because I am all for mancad. It's it's interesting you ask that because we had a game
0: last year where um, the opposition team w- did went, it to you. yeah yeah did it to us and they actually apologised to us afterwards. Really? yeah saying it's it wasn't in the spirit and all that kind of stuff and I went oh, it's it's cool it is what it is. So it's it's an interesting question and I think it's an interesting question because of those of us mm-hmm. that have been brought up forever knowing that ManCAD h- h- exists, but it's never used. It's it's there, but it's not something that you really do. However, it, it's it's there to be utilised now under a rule. It's the same as uh, stumping yep. in, in the rules of the game, right? So I, I think that's going to be the turnaround. I think it's essentially a generational thing. I, I don't know the reaction. I, I just – I couldn't say – we haven't discussed it. We don't discuss it. We wouldn't have thought about it. No, it's there. Um I, I tell you what, because I really haven't thought of it. It's a really interesting question. I'd be okay with one of my players doing it mm-hmm. as a warning. Okay. Right? I'd be okay with like that. Like Dan Christian did last night. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. As in a little, let's just put you in your place a little bit here. You want to just drift around. Now you're taking the P1SS. I, I'm just going to call you back here because I've got the outlet to do it. So I'd be okay with that just to square them up a little bit and say, okay, I'm just putting you on notice here that you need to go back in your crease. Um, Now, the rules of the game say I should be okay with them going through with it and affecting the run out at the bowler's end. But I think because it's a generational thing for me that I'm just not used to it. I I haven't got my head around it. So, you know, it it is what it is and it's going to become more and more
1: Present, I think, in
0: in world cricket.
1: Well, speaking of coaches, I was just looking up just to clarify when Adam Zampa did it a few weeks ago to Tom Rogers in the Melbourne Derby. Yeah. Um. David Hussey said we would have withdrawn the appeal. The Melbourne Stars coach yes. said we would have withdrawn the appeal if it went further. So there's a coach speaking about kind of you get your understanding about where he sits and probably he's in the same generation as you. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't think they look fondly upon it. But you know, we've seen Mitch Stark get annoyed. Over it this summer, we yeah. saw Dan Christian get annoyed about her. There was a woman in the Under-19s World Cup, um, which is just occurring right now. She's provided headlines because she got another opposition player out. So it's it's in vogue now more than ever mm. last few years. We've been speaking about mancad throughout the whole summer. So it's going to be interesting to see if if more happens, especially now again these closer games in the Big Bash, getting closer to the finals. Yeah, What's going to happen? I, I actually like the fact that you can pull up players. I, I like it adds a bit of
0: drama to it. and and it sort of gets people going, oh, this is interesting. You know now he's sort of saying to the, I'm putting somebody on notice. So I, I don't mind that at all. The umpires, perhaps it goes back to the umpires. If you yep. want to take it out as being a controversial part of the game, put it in the umpire's hands to mm-hmm. say to the batsman, then you're drifting down a little bit too far, but that doesn't work in a rule book, and I'm trying to think out, out loud. I tell you what's going to affect play here at Allen Borderfield is the weather because it's raining again. And it's raining quite heavily, so they're out there in a, a fair old mist of rain. Two for twenty one, Pakistan. They'll be, be uh, that, well, they'll be running. Yes. As, as soon as they can, they'll be going. Hang on a second, it's pouring, umpy. Let's get off here, and it is belting down. So, um, two for twenty one is the score. I reckon there'll be a break very very soon. Now we're looking for headlines, so we need to take a break. We'll come back and do headlines. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Your biggest summer sporting moments, moments so, so far. far.
2: Independent, trustworthy and dazzling. Time now for Tommy's Tribune.
0: I've oh, missed it. Have you missed Tommy's Tribune, folks? 0457 736 736. Get your headlines in. We've only got a couple of minutes to do it, Tommy, so we're going to have to rip in Let's go. hard and fast. Righto. Welcome back, Matty, says Brett. Uh, headlines. The Wallabies. Uh, Eddie and Jonesing for a second bite. Tick. I like it a lot. Oh, let see what happens. No more heartburn and heartache having to reach for the Rennies. I like it a lot. <laughs> Tick. Oh, is that a leading contender? I mean, we've only had two, but that's got to be a leading mm-hmm. contender, hasn't it? Uh, Kookaburras continue world domination when they win the Hockey World Cup currently being held in India. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm in a good mood. First show of the year. Let's go. Yeah, Tick. All right. I'll give you an update on that tomorrow. Uh, is there a headline in this one? Warner and Wade cop huge punishment. Cricket Australia has come down really hard on Warner and Wade, their punishment. So they have to watch replays of Peter Hatzoglu bowling for eight hours. He flicks it around. Have you seen him? He, he comes into at the top of his lineup and mm. he, he he spins it from, from hand to 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 hand oh, to hand. So, hand it's, and like the, he gets so it's like the
1: Novak bounce before the serve. Very much so. 30 bounces See what you did? You put it into Australian Open territory straight away. Um, McHugh, you're usually really good at that. That's a cross. It's not a headline. It's just, it's an explanation. We don't want that.
0: Okay. Uh, Father of the Year just got to Nico Hines um, to talk to my son on FaceTime. My son could not take the smile off his face. Ah, so your your headline
1: is Father of the Year and oh, the so story himself he's giving himself a rap. No, no, no. no. Oh well, Pat, just got yes. Nico Hines to talk to my son. Yes, on Facetime. The Hawk. So the Hawk's giving himself a rap. Sharing in sharing. January. That's <laughs> that's a big call in January. Hawk, Father of the Year already.
0: Good story though that Nico Hines talked to his son on Facetime. That's always nice. Yeah, that's get a the tick. smile off his face. Summer headline, mates mesmerize missile. So that was off the
1: back of the one and only Missile Magnuson getting pranked. I did hear that. Yeah, um, having to spell his own name. Yeah, can we play that tomorrow? Yeah, have, let's, have we'll, you got that? Oh, uh, yeah, we'll we'll play a shortened version tomorrow. Okay,
2: M A G N U S <laughs> S E N.
1: Thanks, Al. No, but we've got. Have, have yeah, we got we'll get. We'll, we'll we'll cut it down for the listeners. Because who missed I out missed on it. it. Yeah,
0: I missed it, and then I heard about it. The talk around the office this morning was that it was it was pretty funny. Well, yeah, they've uh, been so doing. Who
1: pranked s- him? Uh, was it, the, the it was run- Barney and Phelpy. Yeah, oh, so oh, they oh, got oh, old oh. Coach K as well who does Arvo's um, as a prank. So just watch out for your phone the next few days. If you get a, Easy. a random number, Easy just let me. it go to voicemail. Oh,
0: that's, yeah, <laughs> don't, take, don't take numbers you don't know. Rule number one. Uh, by the way, play has been called for the moment. Rain delay, Australia v. Pakistan. So Pakistan and Australia gone off the field with Pakistan 2 for 24. The New York Giants have beaten... Uh, the Minnesota Vikings 31 to 24, and who gets the Signet Boost Power Bank? Uh, it, was was it, Brett? For, yeah,
1: it was for yeah, was for Brett. Brett, you get the Signet Boost Power Bank. Cool, that was quick.
0: Uh, we are almost at the checkered flag on what's been a very busy first day back. The news breaking earlier this morning that Eddie Jones will return as Wallabies coach immediately. Dave Rennie has been sacked, and Eddie Jones taking over for the next five years. So that was the big breaking story of the day on a massive day where all sorts of sport continues. So in terms of the NFL, that uh, Vikings-Giants match is over with the Giants winning, and there's still one to come, Bengals versus the Ravens this afternoon. So we'll keep you across that. Um, rain delay continues at the Allen Border Field in Brisbane, Pakistan, losing two early wickets after being sent in to bat by Australia, the first of the one-day international series. Coco Goff leads a set, and a break in the... Oh, no, it's 3-2, so it's on serve in the second set there. Jess Pagula has taken the first set in her opening match, 6-love, and leads 3-love in the second against Jacqueline Christian. So play underway at the Australian Open. Thank you for your company this morning. Have a great day, everybody. We'll do it all again tomorrow.